We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oregon is poised to be a recruiting power in the Big Ten. We're talking about Dan Lanning and the Ducks on the recruiting trail in today's episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. And we're back like we never left. Oregon fans, what's going on? How we living? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. Just in case you're new here, I'm your host, Max Torres, publisher and lead editor of Ducks Digest, covering the Oregon Ducks over on Fan Nation, part of the Sports Illustrated Network. It is Wednesday, January 24th, 2024, coming to you from a cloudy Long Beach, California. Super stoked to be back for another episode of the podcast and grateful to have you along to talk some duck football and some duck football recruiting. I got my cup of coffee here. I got my my setup and everything ready to go. And there is plenty to talk about as the Ducks continue to recruit at a national level. You got coaches scattered all throughout the country. Uh, You have one of two junior days uh, set for this weekend with the Ducks set to host a junior day on January 27th, as well as February 3rd. Make sure if you haven't already to check out my last episode of the podcast, the 2025 class is on the clock where I take an early dive into some of Oregon's most important offensive recruits in this upcoming recruiting cycle. And you can also find that here on YouTube at Oregon football, Max Taurus, make sure to like comment and subscribe if you haven't already. And I wanted to give a thank you to the everydayers, the ones that are the true diehards that are tuning into every episode. I greatly appreciate your support. uh, And just thank you so much. So Oregon and recruiting and the big 10, I think this is an interesting topic to dive into just as far as how Oregon's move to the Big Ten is is going to affect things on the recruiting trail. When I think about this conversation, I think about one of the better quotes that I've gotten from the recruiting trail recently, and that was from now early enrollee cornerback Dakota Fields, who committed to Oregon after previously being committed to USC, Coming out of Gardena, California, Sarah, 
Uh, Unipero Serra, the same score. The Ducks got Roderick Pleasant in the 2023 class. And the story with Dakota Fields was that he said Oregon's move to the Big Ten was the green light for him to go ahead and commit. I knew that Oregon was staying really, really involved with Dakota Fields despite his commitment to USC. And, and that was really the place that he ultimately wanted to be uh, when all was said and done. And he was one of the big, big signings that the Ducks had in the 2024 recruiting class. But now that Oregon's going to the Big Ten, it's only going to get more competitive as far as recruiting goes. And I've already talked before about how going to the Big Ten obviously helps Oregon's image. It's really the power two that we're living in when it comes to today's college football. You're either playing in the Big Ten or you're playing in the SEC. Those have clearly emerged as the the two premier conferences in college football, and and that's just kind of where we're at. You saw Jed Fish leave what was a really good situation, I thought, for him at, at Arizona to following Kalen DeBoer's footsteps in Seattle and now head up the Washington program. I think a part a big part of that was the fact that that was his avenue to the Big Ten. Um, so now that Oregon's going to be in the Big Ten, they're going to continue to contend for elite talent year after year, and it, they're going to have more exposure and, and so many other things. But I think if you're just looking at the, the rankings right now, we can bring it up here uh, on the 247 Sports National Rankings. Oregon has the number six overall class here in the 2024 cycle. I mean, they really were inside the the number five overall and number six on the composite, number five transfer portal. I know 247's gotten a little bit more in depth with their rankings, but we all know that this is the best recruiting class that Oregon has ever signed. Um, you have Elijah Rushing as the, the new headliner with 247 doing a recent rankings update. They have him at number 26 nationally, and then modern-day defensive lineman Aiden Breland just outside that five-star territory at number uh, number 36. But if you look at the conference rankings and where things are at, you click on that Big Ten tab, Oregon is right there at number two, slightly behind Ohio State, which has really become the crown jewel of recruiting in the Big Ten. And then you have the likes of Michigan. Uh, they're at number four. You got Penn State at number three and then USC at number five, which is kind of interesting because USC really hasn't been one of the, the premier recruiting powers nationally, even in the Pac-12 um, for, for a while. And I think that Lincoln Riley has shown that he can bring some, some really solid talent to Los Angeles, but he's also shown a clear preference for the transfer portal. And we'll be talking a little bit more later on. Uh, about kind of the transfer portal strategy and and where things are at in, in today's game. But there you have it. Oregon's at number two here in the 2024 cycle. And they could things could get even better for the Ducks as they are still heavily involved and maybe picking up steam for 2024 Burley, Idaho wide receiver Gatlin Bear. He is the, I want to say, one of the top uncommitted prospects in the country right now. Ryan Williams, the 2024 wide receiver, recently reclassified from 2025 out in Saraland, Alabama. He is one of the, I think he is the 
top uncommitted recruit right now. And uh, he was previously committed to Alabama, recently got on campus in Tuscaloosa to, to get a visit in with Kalen DeBoer and the Crimson Tide. But Gatlin Bear is down to Oregon and Michigan, and this is going to be a big recruitment that the Ducks could ultimately find themselves winning, possibly, as they're picking up steam. And, and that recruitment, I need to do a little bit more digging to kind of see where things are at, but uh, the coaches have been no strangers to Idaho. They've been making it out there uh, relatively frequently, and Bear is a guy whose stock is still on the rise. I told you just a couple minutes ago about how 247 updated their rankings and bear is now a five-star in the eyes of 247 sports listed at number 27 nationally, the number six wide receiver and the number one recruit in Idaho. He had a standout performance uh, in the Adidas all American bowl and, and was a guy that really proved, I think he could keep pace with all of these top recruits nationally. I mean, we already knew that, that he was, somebody with elite speed, but to see him really compete against some of the top defensive backs in the country and, and hold his own, I think is kind of that last hurdle that he needed to get over. Maybe that's a pun because he's a track guy. I don't even know if he does hurdles though to, to get to that five-star status. So if Oregon can add Gatlin bear to this class, it is going to be even better clearly than it already is. They already have so much wide receiver talent. You're looking at guys like Ryan Pelham from Long Beach Millican, who flipped from USC during the early signing period. Jeremiah McClellan from St. Louis, Missouri, Christian Brothers. He also flipped during the early signing period, but that was from Ohio State. So that's even more recruiting momentum for Dan Lanning and the Ducks going into the Big Ten as you're able to flip one of the top wide receivers in the country from what has essentially become wide receiver U in recent years under Brian Hartline. So the Ducks have a ton of momentum there. And then you also have some guys like Dylan Gresham from San Jacinto, California. He's already enrolled. And I think he's kind of flying under the radar in terms of some of these new wide receivers that have joined the Ducks this offseason because a lot of people are focused on Jeremiah McClellan and Ryan Pelham. And I think that's appropriate. They're amazing players in their own right. But Dylan Gresham is really a, a dynamic wide receiver that can take the top off of a defense. And I think he's kind of being slept on in this class. And then you also have Jack Ressler from Modern Day who comes in with this class. And then also Evan Stewart, and he's just a former five-star recruit who transferred over from, from Texas A&M to slide into that wide receiver room along with returners Tez Johnson, Treshawn Holden, and Gary Bryant Jr. So safe to say the Ducks will not be lacking for wide receiver talent uh, at all in 2024. But if they're able to add Gatlin Bear and to this class, and I think a big reason that fans and analysts like myself think that there is good reason for optimism in Eugene is because Jim Harbaugh continues to interview for these head coaching jobs. And he's been flirting with the NFL with that return to the NFL uh, for, for a couple of years now. So I know from my conversation with bear out in San Antonio, he spoke about how Harbaugh's decision to either return to Ann Arbor for another season after winning a national championship or, or to make that jump to the NFL is going to factor into his final decision. He's gathering all that information, but he is going to be coming off the board here in just a couple of weeks during that February signing period. Maybe it's the signing day, but I believe it's two weeks from today, February 7th. That's the big day you got to keep an eye on. Uh, but Oregon is definitely in a very good spot with Gatlin Bear right now uh, as, as with regard to their recruiting efforts. So He's been the main guy to, to keep an eye on in the 24 cycle and will continue to be the, the really the last high school guy that you have to keep an eye on. But 
Another reason that Oregon is poised to be a recruiting power in the Big Ten is due in part to Dan Lanning's recruiting strategy and the emphasis that he has placed on recruiting talent at the line of scrimmage. And this is one of the biggest reasons that I think Oregon is best suited for the Big Ten of the four new teams that are going to be joining the conference this season. Schools like USC and UCLA and Washington, they're they're just not recruiting at the level that Oregon is in general. But if you just look at the caliber of talent that both schools have brought in along the offensive line, defensive line, I think that Oregon is pretty significantly ahead of those schools. But for what it's worth, I got to see Cameron Fountain out in San Antonio at the Adidas All-American Bowl. He was a, a USC signee. And he looked really good. So it's not to say that those teams don't have good talent coming in. I just feel like the gap between those schools and Oregon is pretty significant right now because they were already recruiting at such an elite level before the move to the Big Ten. Dan Lanning was already signing really, really good blue chip defensive linemen. Um, Look at Mateo Uyunglele from St. John Bosco as a prime example. And then Amari Washington is another one out of the state of Arizona. I wouldn't be surprised if he's a guy who is heavily involved in that new defensive line rotation. He was already recruiting blue chip talent along the D line. And we saw in this last national championship game that Michigan took home. You have to have serious talent along the D line to get the job done. Part of the reason that they were able to, I've said it before, but I want to say it again. Part of the reason they were able to, the Wolverines were to neutralize what was one of the best offenses in the entire country with Michael Penix and Washington was because they were able to get consistent pressure on him against a Joe Moore award-winning line by only rushing four guys. So the more you can never have too many elite defensive linemen. That is for sure. And Dan Lanning's already been recruiting guys like Terrence Green, who was like 6'5 and 300 pounds out of the state of Texas, Johnny Bowens, guys like that. So those those blue chip defensive linemen have been coming in droves to Oregon. And then look on the other side of the ball, Alik Terry has been doing a great job in his own right, bringing in some blue chip offensive linemen. Um, in the 24 cycle, that was headlined by Shaq McCroy out of Pinson, Alabama, who's a six foot eight Under Armour All-American along the O-line. And then Fox Crater is another gem in this class, uh, a, more of a local guy out of Vancouver, Washington. He's another guy that was out in San Antonio at the Adidas All-American Bowl. So you're getting blue chip talent along the defensive and offensive lines, and that's going to generate a lot of success and is really, I think, the starting point of having a great offense or a great defense. You can have all the skilled talent you want, but if you're not winning at the point of the attack, if you're not winning in the trenches, you aren't going to be able to do a whole lot. So that's part of the reason that I think Oregon is poised to be a recruiting power in the Big Ten. We're going to hop into a mailbag question after this. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Ducks Dish Podcast, coming at you on a Wednesday from Long Beach, California. I'm your host, Max Torres. Thank you so much for tuning in wherever you guys are tuned in. If you're here on YouTube, this is that time of the episode where I ask you guys, do me a favor and make sure you hit those like and subscribe buttons and leave me a comment on how you're feeling about Oregon football recruiting, whether it's the high school ranks, whether it's the transfer portal. Maybe it will be the transfer portal because that's where our mailbag question comes from today. I put out a call on Twitter, at Sports. I don't know when I'm going to be able to call it X. Maybe we'll get there soon. But I put out a tweet, and I said, would love to open the mailbag this week on the pod, asking for questions. And I got one from Go Ducks at Support the Blues. Is there any lockdown corner we target if we miss on Muhammad? with Muhammad, of course, being Washington cornerback, Jabbar Muhammad, and he has really been one of the biggest names across the transfer portal right now. But certainly for Oregon, he has emerged as a major, major target. Been talking about him a lot over on Ducks Digest and on my Twitter and on this show, but I want to talk about him a little bit. I don't think that there's another corner that you need to mention because I'm feeling really good about where the Ducks stand right now in this recruitment. Muhammad is coming off of a pair of visits over the past week out to Texas, out to Alabama to see Kalen DeBoer, his former head coach, out in Tuscaloosa. And then now he's supposed to get out to Oregon this week, and then a decision is expected to follow shortly after that trip. Muhammad told me he wanted to see all three of those schools before coming to his decision. And I wanted to pick a peel back the curtain a little bit on on one of the interesting tidbits that I was hearing from the trail, uh, speaking with one of my sources for this recruitment. And I want to talk about what I was told about the Texas in-home visit. And it's just an interesting wrinkle when you think about all of this. I was told uh, that the Texas coaching staff told Jabbar Muhammad that he was going to have to come in and compete. This, of course, if he was to go to Texas. And that's an interesting thing to say for one of your to one of your top transfer portal targets for a couple of reasons. I think the top one being that Texas struggled to defend the pass last year. They really did. And I think if you look at that room and just where the Longhorns are at right now, I think if you were to get Jabbar Muhammad, he would pretty much be the best defensive back that you have on your roster. So 
for a guy who only has one year of eligibility left, it kind of makes you scratch your head. Why would, why would you tell, why would you tell a guy that um, if he's going to take your team to that next level? And then of course, just more broadly transfer portal guys aren't coming in to sit on the bench. I mean, they're not going to guarantee him a starting job or anything, but it's just an, a puzzling choice of words for this Texas staff with one of their top guys that you'd figure you would have an awesome shot with. He's from the Dallas area. He went to DeSoto high school, which is one of the best programs in the state. Uh, Absolutely dominated this past year. Um, But then I was also told that he uh, was kind of personally led by Steve Sarkeesian during that visit. And and then they came out of that visit still feeling good uh, about their chances. But then he went out to Alabama to see Kalen DeBoer and the Crimson Tide and I think that was a trip that probably happened. You know, it's Alabama, so there's still some of that that luster, some of that shine around it. Although I've said before that I think Nick Saban is the primary reason for all of that. Uh, but the brand is still the brand. I just think it's going to be different with a new man in charge. But getting out to Tuscaloosa, I bet a big part of that was just because of the relationship with Kalen DeBoer. But if you're just comparing the situations here, I don't see Alabama as a really, really good landing spot for Jabbar Muhammad just because of the players that they've lost. And it's going to take some time to to put that roster together and really make it one of the best in college football. I think it's going to be great, going to be solid, but um, the expectations are going to be high for Kalen DeBoer in year one. And um, I'm just curious to see how it all unfolds, especially uh, with a lot of the top players in the portal being either from Washington or from Alabama uh, or Arizona amid this big coaching shakeup. And now Jabbar Muhammad has one more trip left before he makes his decision. And, and I think that Oregon's in a really good spot. That's continuing. That's can, that's echoing what I've been hearing from people I've been talking to uh, about this recruitment. I, I think that there's a couple of other things at play. Texas was the leader at one point in this recruitment. You know, some of the predictions were coming in for Texas, but, I found myself asking, and I wrote about this yesterday after uh, on three national recruiting analyst uh, Jerry Hamilton put in his uh, his prediction. I, I don't know if it's Jerry or Gary, so apologies. He put in his prediction for Texas initially, and then yesterday, uh, about a week after, I mean five days after, I should say, his initial prediction, he changed it from Texas to Oregon. So uh, with, with that, I was kind of thinking, well, if if Muhammad had really been favoring Texas that much. Why was he taking other visits? And then even more so, why hadn't he already committed? And that continues to be how I feel uh, as of Wednesday at 10.42 a.m. out here on the West Coast Pacific time. If Texas is that leader and they are going to ultimately land him, why hasn't he made that move? Why hasn't he committed? That's why the longer this recruitment draws out, I think that it goes into Oregon's favor I think the Ducks are in an awesome spot once he gets onto campus. And just just looking at the hit rate and the success that the Ducks have had with top transfer portal targets this offseason, once they get out to campus, it is hard uh, for them to leave without committing. So I think that Dan Lanning has this staff locked and loaded for sure. Um, What else did I have to add on this one? I mean, with, with Jaleel Florence also being injured, uh, he posted a picture on his Instagram story where he had his whole, he had a crutch and then he had his whole uh, leg, you know, in a pretty serious brace. So uh, I think 
you obviously have him returning as one of your best corners, but you want to bolster it. And they have with Cameron Alexander from UTSA, Dante Manning, you kind of know what you have with him. But if you can add Jabbar Muhammad to this, this would be absolutely huge. Um, you need to have depth at every position, but clearly they needed more depth last year when it came to the cornerback spot. So that's going to be a, a, a position that they continue to monitor here um, as the as this recruitment kind of continues on. I think another thing I wanted to talk about here was the departure of Demetrius Martin and kind of just maybe what that means for Oregon on the recruiting trail. He was a really, really good recruiter, specifically uh, in his native area of Southern California. But uh, it looks like, you know, a promotion is going to be in line for Rashad Wadud, uh, who who is expected to work more with the cornerbacks that came from Matt Zenitz of 247 Sports. And if you guys have listened to me for a while, you know how valuable Rashad Wadud is to this Oregon staff. You know that name. Uh, he was previously at Long Beach Poly, where the Ducks got Dalen Austin and Dylan Williams in the past two cycles before he joined this Oregon staff. And he is an incredible asset for this Oregon staff on the recruiting trail. The amount of times his name comes up with guys that I'm talking to, not even just from the Southern California area. Um, you know, this this is kind of just nationally. He is a huge, huge workhorse on the recruiting trail, and he is a big part of, of this staff's success. So um, I expect him and Chris Hampton to have a big, big role in the recruitment of defensive backs moving forward and just, just in general. So I think that having a guy like that on the staff helps minimize maybe some of the, the sting from losing a guy like Demetrius Martin, who will return to East Lansing to coach for Jonathan Smith and the Michigan State Spartans to coach the corners out there. Had one more point I wanted to get to on today's episode of the pod. Speaking about why Oregon is going to be such a big recruiting power in the Big Ten, let's talk a little bit. Let's zoom out and see what's been going on at a national level, right? Ohio State really turned that notch up from 0 to 100 over the weekend, landing some big-time commitments. Uh, they got Julian Sayan from Alabama, a really talented quarterback out of Carlsbad, uh, just outside of San Diego, a couple hours south of me. They got Julian Sayan, who transferred over from Alabama. He had originally signed with the Tide in the 2024 class. And then you also get Caleb Downs from the transfer portal. He was the top available prospect and might have been the best safety in college football last year, even as a true freshman. You also have Aaron Nolan coming in from the 2024 recruiting class and Will Howard from the transfer portal by way of Kansas State. You also have Devin Brown on that roster. Uh, and then I think uh, Lincoln uh, Kienholtz, um from, from North Dakota, he signed in the 23 class. But you're seeing a very all-in approach from Ohio State. And Oregon's also very all-in. But I think you see this, this response, this from Ohio State, as a response to what Michigan's been doing and kind of the pressure that is on Ryan Day and the Buckeyes to beat Michigan and essentially be competing for a national title. And Ohio State has always been a school that I believe has really recruited high school well, but now you're seeing them go all in on the portal. You're seeing C.J. Stroud uh, donating to the, the NIL collective. And kind of some of the people I've been talking to about this lately kind of see it as a little bit of a panic move. I'm not saying I necessarily agree, but it's interesting to compare the approaches of Ohio State to Oregon and to Michigan because – 
as much success as Michigan has had, they haven't been big reliers on the transfer portal. If I'm just looking at, or even like major, major recruiting powers, look at what they've been, look at what they did in the 2024 class. They have the number 16 ranked high school class and the composite rank according to 247 sports, 27 line sign letters of intent, but they've only brought it. They're only bringing in two guys from the transfer portal. And if you look at what they did in the 2023 cycle, they were number 17 on the composite from their high school guys. And then they were a little bit more portal heavy with, with nine transfers coming in. And I think that I've said before, I think the best programs have that great balance, right? From between the high school ranks and the transfer portal ranks, you build the nucleus of your program, of your program from the high school ranks with guys that are going to be there for the long term, you know, for like three years, right? And then you use the transfer portal to address some of those needs a little bit more strategically, a little bit more systematically for those needs that are really, really important that maybe you can't rely on the high school guys quite as much. But it's really a double-edged sword because you can look at the transfer portal and bringing in guys from from there as short-term replacements, guys who are proven at a high level, and you think that they're going to be able to, to mimic that success, to reproduce that success at your school, but it's also going to come with, you know, some blowback, right? Some, some consequences, you know, if, if, if a school sees you bringing in a lot of transfer portal players, that's going to create some kind of uncertainty and you always have to keep the culture of your program at the forefront of your game plan. So if you're seeing portal guys come in, I think some of these high school recruits can take it as, and again, I'm speaking more generally here. They can take it as, well, you do not have faith in me. And I think even nationally, if you, if you zoom out from the team, it, that's kind of what it looks like, right? This coach doesn't have faith in the, the players that um, he brought in and their development isn't going to plan. So I think the transfer portal is, is really so, so interesting to, to follow just kind of the, the implications that it has and, and how it plays a big role in this roster turn. But as it pertains to Oregon, I think you're seeing Dan Lanning use that quality over quantity approach because they currently have, I want to say it's 10 guys um, that they have committed in, in the transfer portal so far. Um, with Jabbar Muhammad being the main guy that they are still pursuing. So they have 10 with the most recent one being Duke defensive back, Nickel, Brandon Johnson. So I think this is probably going to be, I don't think we're going to see Dan Lane and the Ducks go quite as heavy in the transfer portal next year, because now they have two full recruiting cycles under their belt. You have some of those guys that you're going to, you know, hopefully see good leaps from. I think Amari Washington's another good example that I mentioned along the uh, D line, you're feeling really good about the O line with, with Poncho at center, Josh Connerly at left tackle. Those are two guys that you recruited through and through Marcus Harper at left guard. He's coming back for another year. Another guy that was recruited to Oregon. And then you're looking to plug some of those holes with a Matt Bedford uh, from Indiana who comes in at right guard. And then uh, a Johnny Cornelius who came over from Rhode Island and he's going to be playing his second season with the ducks. So, I think that's another big point is just looking at your long-term and maybe even short-term transfer portal guys, guys who are kind of maybe just a band-aid that you slap on that room that are only going to be there for one year 
versus someone who like Bo Nix, Ajani Cornelius, Noah Whittington, Tez Johnson, guys that you can get multiple years out of, that's really key. That's really key to I think having more of a, a, a um, secure roster or one that I think just doesn't have as much churn and volatility and turnover on a year-to-year basis. So that's another interesting point I, I think that uh, fans should kind of look at is just comparing the one-year guys with the two-year guys. And maybe it's hard to tell a little bit, right? But some guys are so good that you just have to go out and get them if you can, like an Evan Stewart uh, from, from Texas A&M, right? Or, or like a Kobe Savage from Kansas State. And then you have someone who's more of a long-term guy, right? Dante Moore from UCLA. They, they think that he's going to kind of be the heir apparent to Dylan Gabriel after he leaves. So just some food for thought. I think that Oregon is, has a really, really good balance between the high school ranks and the transfer portal ranks. And um, that's part of the reason that I think they're going to continue to be so, so good when it comes to recruiting in the Big Ten. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if they finish ahead of Ohio State at some point um, you know, in, in the near future because Dan Lanning, Tosh Lapoy, Will Stein, Marshall Malko, the, the rest of this Oregon staff personnel and, and recruiting, they're locked in and they're, they're not putting the pedal to the metal. They are putting the pedal through the floor. The ducks have a really good start in the 25 class with four commits. Last I saw it was ranked number 13 nationally. They're all on the offensive side of the ball. So I'm going to be interested to see who that first defensive recruit is to hop in the fold, but that'll do it for me on another episode of uh, the Ducks Dish podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and for your continued support. Important to lock in with me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at mtorisports, that name right there on your screen. You can subscribe to my YouTube channel at Oregon Football Max Taurus and read me over at ducksdigest.com. Share the show with your friends, with your family, and with other Duck fans. But until next time, thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.